And JD, if you will throw up tonight's tithes and offerings verse. It's maturity night. It is maturity <laughs> night, and we laugh a lot. Okay. Um, so tonight's verse is Malachi 3.10. And I'm going to turn around so I can look at it a little bit better as I'm reading. Um, and it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And now we've gone over this verse a lot. And if you'll leave it up, because I very well may reference it in a little bit. Um, and we, we've talked about this a lot. We've preached on this a lot. But this week, God has really been ministering to me on fear. And I promise it ties together. It's like Stephen last week. Just bear with me and we'll get through the rabbit holes. <laughs> but God's been ministering to me on fear and how ingrained it can be in people. How ingrained it can be from when we're little. And I remembered a time a few months ago, George and I were talking. And I forget the context of the conversation. But what he told me is, I'm never going to ask you to prove yourself. Because I trust you and I'm always going to trust you. Well, then today, that popped up in my head, and then this verse immediately popped up behind it. And I'm, I'm one that I like to know how the Word of God fits into everything, because if it's the Word of God, it's true. And so I hear, try it, put me to the test, and it's a, well, why does God have to prove himself? Why does he have to do it, but I don't have to do that for George? Like, how does that fit? And as soon as I thought that, it was a God didn't have to do that. God didn't have to say, try it. Let me prove to you that I love you. But see, God knows that the fear of giving stuff up is so ingrained within us that he wanted to offer his grace and his mercy to prove to us that he did love us this much. See, we're taught from when we're little all the way up that you need to get a job. You need to go to school. You need to be able to provide for yourself. You need to have a 401k. You need to also have a savings account to put 10% of your paycheck in there so that you, you can have that as a backup in case you ever lose your job because you have to provide for your family because it's on you, it's on you, it's on you, it's on you. And you hear that from a little kid growing up. You hear that in school. As soon as you get in school, you hear that garbage. Sorry, that was stronger. Um, you hear that growing up. And by the time the word of God gets to you, if you're not raised up in a Christian home, if you're not raised up with parents who know the word of God and know the word of God and know the word of God, that's going to be counter to what you were brought up with. It's going to go against what you were taught and your flesh could very well scream its head off. It could very well say, no, that's not what I was taught. That's not what mom told me. That's not what dad told me. That's not what Mrs. What's-Her-Face told me all the way up through school. That's not what I know and that's not true. But see, God loves you enough to know that, the, that we may experience fear on this. That giving our lives over to him is a terrifying thought, can be. And he doesn't want you to feel condemned about that. He doesn't want you to go away f completely upset with yourself. So he says, I'll prove it to you. I love you enough that I'm going to make it okay that you can test me on this. You will trust me eventually. I feel like this is what this verse is saying. You will get there where you don't need me to prove it to you. You know this. And here's the thing is that it's okay to be at the part where you're like, okay, I want to test him to see if he's telling me the truth. 
Because, you know, if you've never met God and you've never experienced him, it can, his love for you can be a scary thing. Absolutely petrifying because no one will ever love you like he will. Ever, will ever love you as purely as he does and with as much good intentions as he has. And this is a huge thing because money is truly rooted within us. It has been, at least, until God. Because God's our source. Money's not our source. God's our source. Money's not our source. Our job's not our source. Our bank account's not our source. Our wallet's not our source. And he says that he loves us enough to let him prove it to us. He says that he will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you don't have room for it. That's not a maybe. That's an I'm going to do this and I will prove it to you. You don't need to be scared. Trust me enough. Just give me a little so I can open your eyes enough to see this. Just give me a little room. Let me show you. Let me prove it to you. I will. That's what he's saying. This verse, I believe, is the cry of Jesus' heart for us. Just trust me a little. Let me prove to you how much I love you. Let me prove to you how every area of your life I've got. Let me prove to you I'm going to take care of you. I'm your source. I'm your dad. I've got what you need. Don't be scared to give what I've given you back to me because I've got more. I've got more than you could ever think of. Just trust me a little. Let me prove it. There's no need to be in fear when we talk about tithes and offerings. Even if you came in here tonight knowing that you had 10 cents in the bank. Even if you came in here tonight not understanding where you were going to get food from tomorrow. Even if you came in here tonight with a thousand bajillion million dollars in your bank account. No matter where you are, it's the same thing. Let him prove to you how much he loves you. So into him, let him take care of you. Because if you give to him, think of it this way. Seth just got a new car, right? Let's say that Seth gave his car up like that if God told him to. And I mean, it's not necessarily the most exciting thing that could ever happen in your life, except it is. Because he just said he would do it. Because if God asked him to give that up, Think of what God's going to bless him with instead. And it's not that he gives it to get a better car. It's he gives it because he loves God and know that his dad has got him. It doesn't mean that he needs to be in fear over the fact that he's not going to have a way to his job or have a way to get food or whatever he does with his car. But it's knowing that God's got him enough that he's got provision for him and he's going to prove it. That's who God is. He's going to prove his love to you over and over and over again. Not because he has to, but because he loves you enough to want to make you feel safe, to make you feel secure, to know that you know that you know that you know that God's got you. It's chance after chance after chance after chance because that's how he pursues you. So tonight, give if you feel led to give. And only if you feel led to give. It's not you put everything in your bank account in there to fill your bank account up ten times more. It's you give what God's told you to give. And nothing more because he loves you and that's all he wants from you is what he asks. But you've got to be willing to give what he asks you. And you've got to know that he's going to prove his love to you time and time and time again. 
So we're going to pray, and then Nicole's going to get up because I'm done preaching. But honestly, seek your heart on this. Ask God, do you want me to give something tonight? Do you have something for me to give? Do I need to sow into your kingdom? Because your dollar, your 50 cents, could very well be exactly what the kingdom needs to feed someone, to put them up in a home when they're homeless, to get the love of God to them. You don't know what your 50 cents can do, but God does. So give exactly what he tells you to. God, we just thank you so much. We love you so much. And we thank you that you pursue us and you love us and you give us time and time and time and chance and chance and chance over and over again to experience your love, to obey your love for us and to sow into your kingdom. God, I pray that you speak to every single one of us tonight. And if you lay it on any one of our hearts tonight to give to you, I pray that we love you enough that we will give without hesitation. If it scares us, that we will look back at this verse and see that you are telling us that you will prove your love to us. And God, we know you're not a liar. We know that your word is true. And if you said it, that you mean it. And so God, your love is being made manifest here tonight. God, I pray over the tithes, over the offerings, over the blessings that are coming into your kingdom today. I pray that they will just reap a mighty harvest for your kingdom, that they will be blessed and that whatever they go toward will be blessed and will be multiplied because that's who you are. You're a God of abundance and your love multiplies all over the place. And we just thank you for it. We love you. And we're excited for what you've got for us tonight. In your name, amen. Good evening, booming people. What'd you say? Good evening. Thank you for the woot woot. Well, Stephen said last week, I am not Nicole. Well, I'll say this week. I am not Pastor Brian. Actually, I kind of am. I'm the prettier half. <laughs> if you're watching, I love you, baby. Um, he is one of our spiritual past or spiritual fathers asked him to go to a conference with him down in Texas. So, like he teaches us he walked in obedience so he is down with pastor jb whitfield some of y'all have seen him when he came um he's come here before and brian is just getting fed up so in a good way so that's always good because when he gets that that means we get it too um but i can tell you as a matter of fact he prays for y'all a lot so let's start this evening by lifting him up in prayer Um, So, Lord, we just come and we thank you, and we just lift Pastor Brian up to you. We thank you that we have a pastor that practices what he preaches. We have a pastor who has a heart to serve and a heart to obey and a heart to do whatever you have asked. So, Lord, we just lift him up tonight and pray your blessings abundant rain down on him. We thank you that your favor and your grace usher him in everywhere he goes. We plead a bloodline of protection all around him, and we thank you, Lord, that he is yours. We thank you that you are filling him up with everything he needs, with everything we need, with everything that you want him to have so that he can 
just go out and pour it out to your kingdom and to bless them. We are blessed to be a blessing, and we thank you that we have a pastor who is blessed and highly favored. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. What are you laughing at? This is supposed to be maturity night. There's a lot of giggling going on. I never giggle. <laughs> oh, thank you, Stephen. My hero. No, maturity is having fun in God, so we do have fun. Um, but I'm going to get on to our message tonight. And I'm going to start by titling on myself. Because this one, God started downloading this message into me. Um, recently, we had somebody who Brian and I called a friend, considered a very close friend, um, go out and behind our backs was just talking some trash, just trashing Brian and I, trashing the ministry. And, you know, my first reaction is you know, I always used to say, you can push me in the corner all you want, you can mess with me, but you touch my man, you touch my babies, and I'm going to bring it. And the ministry is one of my babies, too. So I heard this, and I was like, oh, heck, no, he didn't. And I was just ready to go. And I'm telling you, I was fit to be tied right away. And then I'm talking to Brian, and Brian's like, I'm good. And I turned to him, and I said, you're what? I was like, I was almost mad at him for being good. I'm like, no, 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 no. And before I could finish my sentence, God's like, what's your issue? And I'm like, dude. Yeah, I called God dude. I was like, dude, did you not hear what he was saying about us? We are ministers in this community. We are preaching your word, which means he is doubting your word and the work that this ministry is doing. I need to defend this ministry. And he's like, you do? Maybe. He's like, don't you think that's my job? Maybe. <laughs> yes, sir. So I looked at Brian. I said, I'm fine, too. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, mm-hmm. And let me tell you, when Brian, when Brian knows you've gotten corrected, he's like, mm-hmm. And, yeah. And you just want to go, Wipe that smirk off your face. Sure do. <laughs> sure do. So then God got started, and I had another, I forget what it was. It was something like the next day or two that happened right after that. And I just almost got up in arms about it again. Now, God corrected me faster on that one, and I calmed down faster on that one. But it made me realize. Like, I took a step back, and I'm like, God, two days in a row you've had to correct me on this. What is going on? This isn't who I am. And I realized I needed to get some stronger roots in this area. Because although what I wanted to be a noble cause, I wanted to be defending God's ministry, because this is a ministry that he called to this area. It has saved lives literally. It has not, I mean, and I'm not just talking saved it from the pits of hell, but I'm talking we have, we have had people who walked in here that said, had I not come to this ministry, I would have committed suicide. Multiple people. I'm not talking one. We've had people give their lives to God that are saved from the depths of hell. We've had people that have been you know, delivered from drugs and alcohol and 
you know, sexual addictions and all sorts of things. So I'm like, Lord, there's all these good things and this person is possibly going to be trashing this in public and I just can't have that. And it was a very noble cause, what I thought. But what it was really all about was pride. Because, well, Lord, this is the, this is the ministry you gave me. He can't be trashing Brian. That's my man. He can't be doing anything that's going to affect my kids. Those are my babies. It's my job to protect them. He's like, mm, it has nothing to do with you. This is about me. It's like, I think you got some rooting to do. It's like, okay. And then he started asking me these questions. He said, why are you so mad? Is what that person said, did what that person say change who I am? No. Not in the least. Did what that person say change the call on this ministry? Nope. Not in the least. Okay. Did what that person say change God's word? Absolutely not. So, what am I mad about? And I was like, hmm. That's a good word, Lord. I'm going to preach that. He's like, why don't you do that? He told me to hold off there because he needed to teach me some more. So he's been downloading in me. So tonight we're talking about the need to deepen our roots and strengthen them. Because here's the thing. When we are rooted in Christ, we don't have an option with our responses. If we are rooted in Christ, we are rooted in love. That's the only response we should have. And if we are rooted to the place that we need to be, that will be our natural response. And I've gotten better. I can't say I'm where I need to be yet, but I've gotten better. I heard something else that somebody else said, and I was like, bless their heart. And not in the blessed southern, bless their heart way. I really meant bless their heart. It wasn't like, a, a, you know, southern bless your heart can mean many different things. I was really blessing their heart. <laughs> because suddenly I realized, you know, either it's one, it's a misunderstanding. You know, maybe I just misunderstood what this person said. Or two, they're in need of love. Because the truth is, you will know a fruit or a tree by its fruits. Trash in, trash out. That says who they are. But our response says who we are. And we are supposed to be rooted in Christ. We are supposed to be so deeply rooted in God, who is love, that our natural response is love. So immediately what I did once God got a hold of me and kind of popped me in the back of the head was I started praying for this person. Because the truth is, I love this person still. They're just deceived. They just need love. And if I love this person and they're my friend like I said they were, why would I not sow that love into them when they need it most? Every one of us have had moments of deception where we've messed up or we've misunderstood. And what we've needed is not to be torn apart and to be judged. What we've needed is to someone to lift us up in love. So let me ask you this. We've talked about people talking about you in offense. Where are your roots when it comes to your finances? Do you have faith every time 
when you look at your bank account and it says, you know, $1.298 and your bill says 45000 gazillion dollars, it is a lot. <laughs> you know, where are you when your air condition dies for the third time this summer? You know, or your car gets a flat tire. You don't have any money in the bank. You're trying to figure out what is our, what is our roots? Where are our roots? What does it say about us? Because we should have faith every time. Too often we look at those bank statements, we get them and we open them up at the mail and we look at it and we see what does this bank statement say about me? How much do I have? How much am I worth? Oh, hmm, SunTrust does not think I am worth very much. <laughs> but is the bank our source? No. Does the bank define who we are? No. no. We know that God is our provider. And we know that per his word, he wants us blessed. And it's like Pastor Brian preached on Sunday, if he wants us blessed, is he not going to do what he can to ensure that? In Proverbs 13.22, it says, Good people leave an inheritance for their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. So what this is telling us is that good people leave an inheritance for their grandchildren, their children's children. This means God doesn't want you doing just good enough for you. He doesn't even want you doing good enough to pass something to your children. He wants me so good that Abigail and Rachel and Luke's kids are blessed because of the godly life that I lived. Well, if he wants that for me, how is it that people teach that we're supposed to be meek and humble and lowly and broke and busted and disgusted? I don't know where their roots are, but it's not in the, not in the Word of God. Or how about Philippians 4.19? And this same God who takes care of me will, it doesn't say maybe, it doesn't say might, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus. Now you notice, it's, not only does it say will, but it says from his riches. It doesn't say, okay, now Nicole, go look and see what SunTrust says. And based off of what SunTrust says, we're going to supply for you. Well, we're not going to be supplying too much this month. Maybe next month, if you're good. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even qualify it that you have to be on your best behavior, that you have to do everything right. He says the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs, all your needs from his glorious riches. God wants you blessed. And when our roots get there, these statements can come all they want. The bills can come all they want. And you know what you do? You open them up and you go, awesome. Here's a chance. <laughs> I'm serious. Brian and I did this. I felt pretty stupid the first time I started doing it, but we got this. We started when we lived in the ugly house out in Anson County. Um, we'd get our bills and open it up. We knew what SunTrust said. We didn't have to look at those statements. We'd get the bill and we'd be like, super. You got mail. And we'd put it on the table. And that's how we started getting out of debt. We got completely out of debt once. 
Then we got real stupid and got back in. We're working on getting out again, and we're going to stay out next time. But that's how we started, was we realized, okay, God says that good people, and I'm good because I am his, leave an inheritance for their grandchildren. So that means he has a plan for me. And that he's going to help by supplying all my needs. So if that's what he says and his word is true, if I'm rooted in him and in his word, then I don't care what this bill says. I don't care what my bank statement says the day before the bill is owed. God is more than able to have that company call and say, Miss Wright, you don't owe anything. Somebody came in and paid your bill or there was a glitch in the system and you actually have a credit. And that happened more than once. But you have to be rooted in his word. Rooted in strength in the finances. Because otherwise, you get those bills and you're like, (laughs) and you start to crumble. And open that door wide open for Satan to get in and start messing. How about a tax? Where are we rooted when those come? For rooted in his word says we can resist the devil and he's going to flee. We stand on our firm foundation. We stand on those roots. It doesn't matter what the enemy does, what he says. We already know he's defeated. And we already know that we're the ones with authority. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. That means we're not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. That's where Satan lives. That's where he abides. That's his playground. Now he can tell them down there all about who they are because they're his peeps. They're in his kingdom. I was rescued out of there. I'm not there. I once was, but I'm not there anymore. See, I got transferred to the kingdom of his son, my perfect savior, the one who took everything on himself that was mine, all my sins, all my sicknesses, all my wrong, all my bad. He took it on him and made me white as snow, made me completely blameless. Well, if my roots are there, then Satan can come all day long, but he can't cast a stone at me because I am blameless. Because Jesus took on everything that I had blame for. And for me to step out of those roots and to take on that blame is for me to slap Jesus in the face and say, say, your sacrifice wasn't good enough. You being ripped to shreds, unrecognizable was not good enough to cover me. I'm sorry, Lord. Maybe next time. I mean, which one of us is going to look to Jesus and say that? But yet when the attacks come, and every one of us have done it, when the attacks come, we shrink back. Mm, I messed up. I'm not good enough. I can't go talk to that person about God. They don't know what I did yesterday. Mm, I can't talk to Pastor Brian. He doesn't know. He just, he doesn't know. He's not been here. Instead of going, I don't care where I was yesterday. I know where Jesus was. So therefore, I know where I am. So we can go to James 4, 7 
and we can humble ourselves before God. We can resist the devil and he will flee. It doesn't say that he might. It says he will flee. We have to resist him though. So many times we want God to fight our battles for him. And the thing is, God's already won the war. We will have trials and persecutions come against us. But if we are rooted in that war-winning God, then when the trials come, we can be like, you didn't get the memo, but you lost already. I'm sorry. Nice try, but you might want to go to somebody that's a little bit weaker because I know who I am. And suddenly, that enemy's like, I'm wasting my time on her. She got the memo of who she was. He got the memo of who he is. My words are futile. It says resist him and he will flee. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. This is how we get our roots where we need to be. We continue in following him. We let our roots grow deep in him. Let our lives be built on that firm foundation. And then it goes on in Ephesians 3.17 and it says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So many times we feel weak. We feel like we have been beat up, just attack after attack after attack. And it's like, Lord, I am just weak. I'm worn out. I can't do this. I'm tired. Stop fighting. Let Christ, it says, He will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. As you say, I don't know why these things are happening and I don't care. But I know your word is true and I know who I am in you. And so I'm going to stand. And I'm going to stand in faith. And I'm going to stand in your love. And I'm going to let you make your home in me. And I'm going to be strong in your love. Because the enemy can only make you weak if you let him. So we can either let our roots grow down deep into his love or if a root makes a turn. Have y'all seen some trees where their roots go down but then some of them like start to go cockeyed and they come back up and you say peek-a-boo and look back at the world. <laughs> what happens, yeah, peek-a-boo. What happens, I, you can tell I have a two-year-old, um, is the, tree, the roots are up to the surface and they're subject to the elements. So they can be beat up, dried up, wither up and just flat right dead up because they're out from under that protection it'll either die or it will turn and go searching for nutrients those are the two things that they'll do but once it makes its turn to reroot itself like it gets smart enough and it realizes i need to find some nutrients i'm hungry up here and it's going to turn it's going to go find some nutrients but it's got to start going back down to that ground It's got to break through everything that it broke through before. But the problem is it's been weakened by those 
elements. But what happens if we stay strong in him? We don't have to do all that. And here's the great thing, is we need to be rooted, but God considers us higher than the tree. So the moment we decide we want to be re-rooted, his love and grace kicks in. And it doesn't have to be a struggle for us. Now, we might have gotten weathered and beat up by the world when we came to see what the world had to offer. But the moment we say, Lord, please make your home in me. Abide in me because I will trust in you today. I messed up yesterday, but I won't today. You are mine and I am yours. His grace will kick in right away. And he strengthens us. Because his love is so true. And his forgiveness is always there. But so often we forget that. We get up there and think that we're not worthy. Then we start responding in anger when someone talks smack about us. We start operating in despair when we don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Or how about this? We get disgusted when we pull up Facebook and we see, you know, people selling babies' body parts and, you know, people holding animals higher than a person. And, you know, we look at all these things that are on there and we get disgusted with what we're seeing. And even more so when we see, you know, Christians who should know better doing those same things. We operate in disgust with them. And judgmentalism. And are they wrong? Probably. But we are just as wrong at that very moment. Because we are not rooted in love. Because I don't care whether they are pulling baby, baby parts and selling them or taking 25 cents that isn't ours off of our co-worker's desk. Wrong is wrong. Sin is sin. And Jesus died for it all. So who are we to judge? Because we killed Jesus on the cross just as much as they did. That's when we hit our knees and we say, Lord, we hold these people up to you. We pray that they would see your light shining through us. Help me to be somebody different. Help me to be so rooted in you that as my trees are you know, shining in this world, that they see your fruit, that when they look at me, they see you. Are we so rooted in him that that's what we look like? That we look like him? Are we so rooted that when people look at me, they don't see Nicole. They see Jesus' love. They see hope where everywhere else they see darkness. Because I don't care where they were or what they did, they need that hope. They need that love. And it is our job to give it to them. See, when you have a strong root, it can withstand storms. It can crush foundations, damage underground structures. It can probe joints and pipes. It can cause some major damage. And the great thing is, so can we. Because we are here to tear down Satan's plans. We are here to bring God's will on earth as it is in heaven. That's what our job is. You see, a root serves two vital functions. It gathers nutrients from the soul 
and it supports the weight of the top of the tree. So it's kind of like an iceberg. If you have a big iceberg up top, you're going to have a big iceberg down below. It's got to be balanced because it's got to have a strong substructure. And our nutrients are only found in the living water of Jesus Christ. And we have a big job to do. So we need a big foundation. So we need to be deeply rooted. And we've got to remember that Christ isn't rooted in us. He abides in us, but we are rooted in him. He is our strong and firm foundation, never wavering, never giving way. He won't give. He won't break. He won't crack. He will be there to support us the entire time. See, Christ didn't come to fulfill the will, our will, in our lives. He came to fulfill the will of God in our lives. And when we get to the point that we realize that the will of God is so much better than anything we can think or imagine, suddenly, you know, that love that Barrett was talking about that was scary, it isn't scary anymore. It's only scary when you don't understand it. But when your roots start to grow down into that and it becomes a part of who you are, you get to understand, my gosh, I thought I was living up in the world. I thought I had everything I needed. But I was starving. I was scared of that love because I didn't know what it was. Because the love of the Father is Greek to us when we don't know Him. It's fear of the unknown. That's the only time God's love is scary, is when you don't know it. Do you know God believes in you? 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us, and I don't have this back there, tells us he will not allow you to, to face a temptation you can't overcome. So what does that say? That says my God believes in me. He knows that I'm strong enough through him means that anything that I'm going through, he already knows I'm going to make it out the other side. Because he knows I am deeply rooted in him, in that firm foundation, that I am strong and I can withstand the storms. But imagine how much easier it would be to weather those storms if all of our roots ran deep. Do you know you have a purpose? Brian had a message last year. I think it was around April sometime. And in it, he says, you're rooted to be fruited. And we all laughed when he said it. But think about it. If you have weak roots, that tree is not going to have much nourishment. It's not going to have much life. It's not going to have much fruit. We are rooted to be fruited. We need to have the fruit of God and overflow on us we are blessed to be a blessing and we get that by having deep roots we have a job to do we have been given power and we have been given authority to use it not to let it sit there and watch it rust because satan tells us "Mm, that's too heavy for you you don't really know what you're doing there you need to leave that to the big boys Maybe after a few years of, you know, getting in the word more, maybe you'll be able to pick it up. But 
not yet, you'll hurt yourself, or you might hurt someone else. These are the lies that he will tell you. I've heard every one of them. I still hear those stupid lies. You don't need to preach tonight. I mean, you just messed up the other month on this. Do you really think you're worthy enough to preach? No, but he is. Through me. I get to be a voice box. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to be so rooted in him that we know who we are. How about this? The only reason the government is able to pass the laws that they're passing right now is because the church isn't where it's supposed to be. Because the church is leaving those weapons to the wayside. Because the church forgot to be rooted in the word of God and decided to be rooted in political correctness. Decided to be rooted in making everybody feel good. When the truth of the matter is, we're not making anybody feel good because we're not shining the love of God on them. It's a band-aid fix. But the healer is Jesus. So until the church starts walking in what they're supposed to walk in, who they're supposed to be, our government will continue to crumble. People will continue to die. This world will continue to go to hell literally. Because the church is not being who it was called to be. We are not a bunch of weaklings. You know, there's that common deception that says, you're only human, honey. You can only do so much. Don't push yourself. I don't know who they're talking to. Because I'm rooted. And my roots go down deep and tell me, "Mm, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You might be weak because you don't know who your creator is. But give me five minutes and I'll tell you who you really are. That's who we're called to be. That's who this government is called to be. That's who the medical professionals are called to be. You know, Deb works in the medical field and she can read all day long what, you know, what the diagnosis is and what the medicines should be doing and, you know, what they need to do for physical therapy. And then she can take a step back and she can pray in the spirit over that patient. And it doesn't have to be out loud. She can just walk by them, and as she's checking something, just mm, have a great day. And plead the blood of Jesus into that person. Call healing into being. This is who we're called to be. A force to be reckoned with. Storm-withstanding roots. Because the thing is, If we forget who we are, if we aren't rooted, we fall for the lies, we fall for the deceptions, and we fall for the justifications of those lies. Because what he wants us to do is forget, it's it's not just about me. Because what if Brian and I weren't rooted? What if we didn't know who who we are? We wouldn't have heard God call us because we wouldn't have felt worthy to hear his voice. And then when he did call us, say we did hear it, you know, we'd logic with him. Lord, you obviously don't know who you just called. I mean, you must have been on vacation or helping somebody else because just last week, you know, I did this and that and this. But the thing is, 
we realized who we are. Because we realized, okay, Lord, if you're calling me, then there's something you want me to do. There's a purpose you have for my life. And there are people that I need to touch. And Lord, I don't feel worthy. I don't feel knowledgeable enough. I don't feel, you know, let me just tell y'all, I am not your typical pastor's wife. I know y'all were shocked. But I will not get up here and I will not sing a song for y'all because I love you. I can't play a musical instrument at all, except the radio. And right now it's broken in my car, so I can't even play that. But, you know, these are the lies that I thought. I wasn't raised in, you know, a church going home. I had great parents. I had a great family. But we didn't go to church all the time. I, I think I went like twice a year. So, I mean, I knew there was a God. I knew there was a Jesus. Didn't understand anything about him, really. So I didn't, I didn't, I learned these children's Bible stories as I read them to Abigail. This is how I learned children's tales. So when God calls my husband, and if I'm one with him, he means he calls me, I looked at him and said, hmm, Brian might be called. <laughs> You're funny. Because I was also deathly terrified of people. I mean, y'all have heard me preach my first message. And this is how I preached. It's not recorded, thank God. I mean, you see, we had every opportunity to tell God who the world said we were. But we decided to listen to who God said we were. And he showed me a vision one time of me preaching in a field to so many people. And I don't know how many it was, but it, at the time, because of where I was, it could have been a million. And I went home literally with my knees shaking, going, baby. And I told him what God had shown me. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, no, it's not. God said he was going to use me and help people. That means I have to talk to them. <laughs> but you know what? I decided if God was going to call me and use me, I probably needed to get in his word and figure out who he is. And the more I started learning who he was, the most amazing thing happened. I started learning who I was. And the more I learned who I was, the more I realized just how much he loved me. And how he will never stop. And how I will mess up today and yesterday. And I'll probably mess up again tomorrow. But each one of those days, he still uses me to be a blessing to others. Each one of those days, I get a text or a call or something where I get the opportunity to be his light and to be his love in action. And for every time I mess up, I get to learn something. And I get to grow, and I get to tell other people about it. I get to tell people when people talk smack about you, shake it off. Because it doesn't change who you are. When I go through Satan trying to steal my baby twice, I can stand rooted in him, knowing 
that God's word is true, knowing that he's given her a long and satisfying life, and knowing that I will see that through. Because God breathed life into her. So that when people come to me with babies that are sick, and diagnosis is that, you know, they're dying, I can say, "Mm mm-mm, let me tell you what he did for me, and if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. And the fact of the matter is, as a child of God, he has called every single one of you. So get rooted in him, because if he's called you, it means he has a purpose for you. It means he loves you. He calls you worthy. He calls you important. He says you will make a difference in my kingdom. You will overflow my fruit because you will be rooted in me. This is why being rooted is so important because it's not just about me. It's not just about you. There is so much more that we have to touch. Imagine when the right people start getting in office. When the right people start getting in charge of our health care or the police station or the grocery stores or the food stores. How about when they start getting in Hollywood? What happens to this world when the church starts getting in its rightful place? Because there's a place for every single one of them and every single one of those mountains. We are to be in Hollywood. He's given us the talents to sing and to act. I didn't get that talent, but somebody got it in abundance because they got my share. Somebody's got the wisdom of finances like Stephen or the medical field like Deb or children like Rebecca. We are to take those mountains, to be rooted in him and to have those fruit not only come out on us, but to fall onto others. This is why we need to be rooted But we step out of his call and we step into pride thinking we know everything. How about we let pride tell us you need to prove yourself. And sometimes it's prove yourself to God then he'll use you. Sometimes it's you need to prove yourself to the world that you're big and bad. That's not an amen time. But being rooted in God means being rooted in love. So that means when pride tries to stick its head up, we slam the door on it. That means we look for the best in people. We try to find ways that they're right. We don't always try to prove ourselves right because the fact of the matter is God can defend us so much better. Because you know, that person came up to Brian a while later and said, hey, how you doing? I was just loving on him. Best as bud. <laughs> and Brian was good. And Brian loved on him. They don't even know that we know. Because we didn't need to prove ourselves right. We don't need to justify our actions. Do we make mistakes? Sure we do. Absolutely, we're human. And as soon as we realize them, 
We apologize or correct, whichever is needed. If people are involved, we apologize. I messed up recently, and to the ELT, I went to every single one of them and apologized because I wasn't a good witness in my actions. Because it's the right thing to do. And then I corrected those actions. I did what I thought was right, what God was telling me to do. But we don't need to justify our actions to you know, this person that's talking junk. We don't need to defend ourselves. I don't need to defend my ministry, my husband, or my kids. Because when I do, I'm stepping in the way of God. I'm sitting here going, let me tell you who I am. And God's back here going, child, and trying to shush me and get me out of the way so that he can show people who I am. Because all I do is make myself look ignorant when I'm up there going, come on, bring it on. Let me tell you, you don't know. (laughs) Then I look absolutely ignorant, worthy of being laughed at. But instead, you know, we go up and we hug them and we love them. And we sow life into them and love into them. I no longer need to prove my actions. My love just did it. The love of God flowing through me just proved exactly who I am. Now they can choose to accept it or they can choose to shake it off and keep walking. That doesn't change a lick about me, my God, or my ministry. So where are we rooted? Are we going to be rooted in pride? which affects so many areas of our lives. All of it, yes. Because when God called, I stepped into pride and said, "Mm, I think I know me more than you know me, Lord. I know you created me, but you've been absent a few years, like a long one. Because I know me better. Who am I to tell God that that I know me better than him? Who am I to tell God he can't fix my finances because they're too far gone? Who am I to tell God he can't fix my marriage because for too many years he's been putting me down and I've just had enough? Who am I to tell God he can't work on my husband and have him be a knight in shining armor, have him be a strong man of God who leads our family the way he's supposed to be? Who am I to tell God that I can't look exactly the way he wants me to look? 36, 24, 36, I'm going to have a smashing body and God's going to give it to me. Who am I to tell God that I'm too, you know, weak or disgusting to look beautiful to my husband or to look beautiful to his wife? That's pride. When we tell God it's too far gone, that is pride. We are saying, I know more than you. And you're right, that is every area of our lives. Or we can decide to be rooted in love, and we can say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I know you love me. It's obvious you love me, because I'm still here. You had not taken me out yet. And I don't know. I don't get it. And in the grand scheme of things, I really don't care. Because all that matters is that you love me. And that as I put my trust in you, as I stay rooted in that love, you will turn all things to work together for my good. Because I am an ambassador of his kingdom. 
So he is going to constantly be working on that clay, making it what it needs to be so that I accurately and valuably represent him. Because there is a world of lost people who needs to see that love. And he's going to shine it through me if I give him just a glimpse of trust. That's where our roots are going to run. The wind and the waves will come. Life will try to stop you. People will talk trash about you till the day you die. But it will only beat us if you give it the authority. If you speak life into those attacks. If you don't stand on the word of God and stop it. You've heard Brian tell this story before, but he and Stephen were out at our yard one day and um, the kids were outside playing and they were working on, I think, putting up a light or something. And I think it was William turned around and saw a storm coming and Brian said, I wasn't there. Brian said, it did not look good. It looked like it could do some damage. And immediately, he and Stephen prayed over it. And it completely dissipated. Completely. These aren't stories, just stories you find in the Bible. These aren't just kids' fairy tales. This is the power that you've been given. You truly can speak to the wind and the waves. You truly can speak to those storms. What happens if we had Christians speaking to the weather now? Calling in rain where we needed rain so there weren't droughts. What happens if we had people in Texas speaking to the rain when they were getting you know, just washed out of their homes? People being drowned because there's constant rain. It won't go away. What happens if we have Christians that are so deeply rooted that they look at that and say, break up now. And it breaks up. Or rain be. And it is. This is who we are called to be. These is where... these. Places are where our roots need to be. Why does it matter? Because you are the ones to bring his will on earth as it is in heaven. We are his hands and feet. We are his vessels. We are the ones here to do it. But the great thing is, is he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So is it supposed to be hard on us? Not a lick. If it gets hard and we get burdened, It's because we're trying to carry the weight. We're trying to say, I've got to do this. It's got to be me. Instead of, God gets to do this through me. I get to be his vehicle. I get to carry him wherever he needs to be. I get to carry his power to all ends of the earth. I get to speak it out. This is why it matters. This is why we have to be firmly planted, knowing who we are. So that when the world tries to tell us who we are, we can say, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong number. And when the world tries to tell us, come here just a little bit, I've got something that will make you happy. Just one more donut, just one more roll in the hay with this unmarried person. Just one more this. Just one more that. I'll make you happy. When the truth of the matter is you will never be truly happy until you are lavished with the love of the Father. 
Because until you experience the love of God, you will never know what happiness really is. So how do we get rooted in Christ? We develop a confidence in his word. We spend time with him. We get to know who he is. And just like I did in that process, we get to know who we are. And when we know that we know, we won't be moved. We've got to get to know his word. We've got to get to know who our daddy is. I want you all to listen to a few of these. They're not going to be put up. I want you just to listen. This is who your daddy is. Joshua 23:14. Soon I will die, going the way of everything on earth. Deep in your hearts, you know that every promise of the Lord your God has come true. Not a single one has failed. Not a single promise has failed. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Psalms 119.140 Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. His word is pure. And what's even more wonderful is it purifies us. 2 Peter 1.4 And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. He wants you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Psalm 89.34 No, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said. doesn't matter how bad you were, who you think you were, who you think you are. He says, I will not take back a single word I said. Romans 15.4 Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. 1 Peter 1.25 but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. And then lastly, we go back again to Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. You see, so often we wonder why life has to be so hard. So often we wonder, why can't I have the faith of the guys in the Bible? Why can't I have the faith of these preachers on TV? When the fact of the matter is we can have more. Jesus said, I've done great things, but you're going to do greater. We are going to do greater than those that Jesus did. This is the Son of the living God, and He said, you will do greater. This is who you are. But we've stopped letting our roots go deep. We've stopped learning who our daddy is. We've stopped learning who we are called to be. Because, see, the enemy is a very 
very smart opponent. He knows what he's doing. If he can distract you, you stop growing. You come up to see what's up top. You come to see what he has to offer. I'm just going to look. I'm not going to buy. But then you linger there, looking down all the aisles, just in case you might miss something. All the while, not growing, not being rooted, passing that person on the street that's going to kill themselves because you didn't have the discernment to see that they needed a hug, that they needed a love, that they needed somebody to show them that life was wor worth living. This is why our opponent keeps us distracted. With too many things to do, too many irons in the fire, too many things in our head telling us who we think we are. When those things come, you have got to stop. You have got to say, no, I'm rooted in the Word. And I may not know it all, but I'm going to find out. There is too much technology today for us to not know the Word. You can pick up the phone and nowadays, and you can type in a partial scripture, and it'll pull it up. You can go to the computer free at the library, type in something in Google, and pull it right up. There are Bible apps out the wazoo. There are Bibles everywhere that you can get. And if you need one free or know, where some, know that somebody needs one, come ask us. That word is your sword. But we have got to stand rooted so that we can swing that sword and chop off the enemy's head when he comes attacking. Because we're not just saving us. We're saving other people. We're not just changing our lives. We're changing the lives of those around us. So that when people see us in the workplace and they know that Joe Blow said X, Y, Z about us and they see that we are cool, calm, and collected, they're like, what's how did you do that? And when our family knows you don't make enough money to pay the electric bill, much less the gas bill, and they see us standing firm in faith and getting things paid after paid after paid, and not only that, but starting to flourish, they can say, what? They can look at you and say, your marriage ain't going to work. Yeah, when I got married, my brother said, mm, she is a Pruitt. This, this isn't going to work like Brian thinks it's going to work. There's not going to be this whole submitting that he thinks there's going to be. Nicole's going to put him in his place. But what happened, he, he saw Nicole submit to Brian. He saw me start to love on Brian on the days that Brian may not have deserved my love. He saw me stand by my man when most everybody else would run. But he also saw this young girl who was scared out of her mind of people be strengthened as her husband stood by her side, teaching her, teaching her the Word of God, leading her to Christ. And it was about ten years later, but, and, but I heard him say, I never thought this marriage was going to last. I never thought this marriage would look like this. But this is the best marriage I've ever seen. I've never seen a marriage this strong with this much love. I don't know how you did it. But that's the kind of marriage I want one day. 
And when I got married, I wasn't rooted in that. I was a baby Christian. But Brian was rooted in it enough that he stood patiently as I learned and as my roots grew deeper. And he helped to feed the nutrients I needed. He picked up the Word of God and said, here's what you need to read. Let's study it together. Here's what we need to pray. Let's pray together. And on the days when his roots seemed weaker, I was able to go back to that teaching that he had given me years before and said, here's who you are. Your tree have gotten you know, a little tilted. Some roots have come up top, but we're going to get them back to where they need to be. Because that's who God is. And I'm rooted in Him, so that is who I am. I am here to change things. You are here to change things. Not to act the way the world tells you to act. Not to respond the way the world expects you to respond. Because if it's not in love, you need to stop that response immediately. And say, no, I'm wrong. Let me try this again. And sow that love because that's what this world needs. So where are you rooted? Because it doesn't matter where you were rooted when you walked in this door. That is an hour and a half ago. This is a brand new minute with brand new promises from God. And we just heard that his promises never fail, that he never goes back on them, that he doesn't change one word. He doesn't take one word back. He says, if you trust in me, I will abide in you. So I ask you this minute, where are your roots? Because the moment you say, Lord, I'm going to be rooted in you, not I want to be, but I am going to be rooted in you. Because we can say, I want to be all day. But will we actually do it? Because you will find that people will do what they really want to do. You know, Brian used to smoke and he he tried quitting smoking multiple times. And he's like, why is it so hard? God's like, because you really don't want to. He's like, that's true. But God said, just give it to me. He's like, I mean, do you really want lungs that look like that? Do you really want to possibly not be here for your kids? Do you really want to smell like hell when you're out there preaching my word? And suddenly Brian got it in his head. He's like, "Mm, no, I really don't want to. He's like, then give it to me. And the moment he made that decision, this is what I want to do, he did it. So we can be rooted in God. Just the way the disciples were. Just the way the biblical giants were. This minute. We just have to decide to be. So Lord, we come right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that it will not change. And we thank you, Lord, that your grace and your love is ever present in our lives. And so, Lord... We decide right this minute, we will be rooted in you. We may have walked in here one way, but we will walk out with strong roots in you. 
and your love and your hope and your promises. And when things come and opportunities come for offense or fear or disgust or whatever, we will respond in the only way that we can respond, and that is in your love. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that we can only respond that way because it is you in us. Thank you, Lord, for filling us. Thank you for living in us. Thank you for being our everything. And thank you, Lord, that all we have to do is ask. And you are right there, loving us with everything you have, giving your everything for us. Thank you, Lord, for your son. Thank you for giving all that you had for us when we weren't rooted in you, when we were your enemies. Thank you for that love, Lord. And thank you for that opportunity that we can now be rooted in you. I thank you for the fruit that will be in our lives. I thank you that from this day forward, people will look at us and they will see you shining through us. They may not recognize who it is, but they will ask, what is different about you? And we are able to point them to you, Lord. Thank you for such an honor that you have given us to be your hands and your feet. And we praise you for it, Lord. And I thank you that we will be your hands and your feet. We will be your ambassadors and we will bring your will on this earth as it is in heaven. And we praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Not y'all. Not guys. Darkness you shine